This is London Calling. London Calling. Strength is about standing by your principles. And the Prime Minister's principles are that you have a proper investigation when someone is, uh, you know, uh, under invest uh, criticism in this way. That seems to me to be the right, the strong, the appropriate response. Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingport, and my very good friend, Mr. Toby Young. Tobes, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I thought I was coming down with a cold, but um, I think I've... I think but I've... you discovered it was actually coronavirus. No, no. Have you heard about this deadly disease that's going around the world? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I've had that one twice now, James. Um, but uh, no, I, I thought I, I thought I might be getting a sore throat, which was very annoying because I've been drinking very little in January. I've been trying to do that's why dry January. That's your problem there <laughs> that and there. That could be that could be the reason. Yeah, not drinking enough. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been I've been I've been I've only I've been down to I'm trying to keep it down to about two drinking days a week, uh, which is my version of dry January. <laughs> um, and, right, uh, have, have been succeeding, um, but uh, instead of and, and you know, getting more sleep, uh, doing more exercise, um, generally eating kind of less fatty, salty foods uh, because I'm, you know, a bit more disciplined. It's when I get drunk that I, you know, lay into the crisps and the nuts. Um, even with all those things, James, you know, I'd expect to be feeling on top of the world. Uh, but actually, I suddenly got a sore throat. And I thought, oh, God, what's the point? Um, but it's, anyway, it's, it's got a toxic shock <laughs> from, from the absence of toxins maybe, or something. Maybe. It, it, it's a bit like... Like why you're not meant to give up smoking because the 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 the, the, the cigarettes provide a, a coating that, that protects your lungs from from <laughs> things like you know from deadly viruses and stuff. So. I, I hope I hope not too many people are taking medical advice from London calling. We I might, think we, we might should. Be sued. <laughs> no, no, no. They really should actually. I think I I, I tell you what. I think I'd be a way better medical advisor than 99% of, of GPs so who haven't a bloody clue. They're just prescription machines. I don't the, trust them. You should be the new Chris Whitty. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another, another old Mulvernian. I, I, I mean, actually, I think, think of the lives that would have been saved if instead of, of Chris, of old Mulvernian Chris Whitty, it had been, been old Mulvernian James Dellingpole. Yeah. <laughs> there, there would have been no vaccines for anything. There would have been no lockdown. I'd have said, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, a Chinese controlled World Health Organization. There's no way I'm going to buy into your bullshit. I mean, I would be, I would be a hero. There would be statues across, across the country of you, me on a horse, obviously, on a, on a, on a hunter. And um, yeah, you'd now, like, you'd, and then I go yeah, to heaven. You'd now be Sir James Dellingpole and um, Oxford no, and Cambridge Colleges. I wouldn't. Wouldn't you? Uh, I wouldn't take the baubles of, uh, of the evil, you would reject, evil What King about if, if you were offered, um, you know, if, if Christchurch wanted to make you um, the new head of college, would you accept that? I totally would. I tell you <laughs> what I would do, actually. I would, I would do for Christchurch, do for the house, a bit like what used to be the case with... Peterhouse, Cambridge, which I'm sure isn't anymore, where where it was the only college that was still like Cambridge ought to be, pro- proper with, with with proper gentlemen in tweed tweed jackets and 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 no nonsense um, about wokery and stuff. And if I could restore that for Christchurch, uh, then it would indeed be a fine thing. But I, f- I feel like most of our colleges that Christchurch is completely lost. I mean, certainly that was the that was the vibe I got even from my own generation at the Gordy that I, I mentioned a few a few podcasts back. So heaven knows what the what the new generation of of undergraduates yeah. are like. Which, 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 I meant to ask you actually. Um, you mentioning um, uh, uh, Christchurch. Um, do you remember that TV series Porterhouse Blue? And it was based yeah. based on a book by Tom Sharp. Um, and I thought the TV series. I remember remember thinking at the time that it was excellent. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. are you a fan of Tom Sharp? I've never actually read any of his novels, but I was thinking maybe, I, you know, given how good the TV series was, maybe I should. Have, have you ever read any of his novels? Uh, the thing is, I, I think I may have done ages ago, but I because I'm I'm improving myself at the moment. I'm just I'm working my way through Russian literature. And so I, I'm not looking for for cop outs like you, Tobes. Right. I've, I've, I'm, I'm, next on my list, I've got Dead Souls, for example. And I kind of think, you know, when when, when I when I'm if I ever get to to live to a, to a ripe old age, worry, James, that the reason you're 
so you, you make you make make such slow progress with these books it, it, whereas yeah you know, i've read almost the entire sharp sequence while you've been struggling <laughs> right, with yes, some yes. heavy with oblomov or whatever russian novel it is and it, i feel like you feel you ought to read these out of a sense of grim duty to improve yourself and expand your horizons but actually you know you never get around to finishing them because they're so heavy going you know, give yourself this, a break james, james. We, we should continue this com- this conversation in Culture Corner we should. because I think it is quite important. But I but, think we ought to get the boring stuff. Well, what I consider the boring stuff out of the way In first. a second. But just one thing I wanted to say in this context was that someone pointed out to me the other day that there are a couple of disparaging references to me in Satnam Sangara's Empire Land, which is a kind of, you know, um, an indictment of the British Empire written from the point of view of a second generation Indian immigrant. Um, And uh, uh, but no one has told me this before. I'm quite surprised. And I think the reason is um, the references to me are quite far in. And even though the book has been a bestseller, I think people (laughs) have bought it thinking, you know, they, they ought to buy it because they ought to know about the horrors of the British Empire. And it's, you know, in, in, for, for moral accounting purposes, it's an essential read. But of course, they don't get beyond page 10. So, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have read it. And the first time anyone, or it's hundreds of thousands of people have bought it rather, but the first time anyone has pointed out to me that he make, takes a couple of shots at me was on Sunday. And I'm thinking that no one could have read it. <laughs> Anyway. There's another book like that, Tobes, that somebody's drawn my attention to you, where, where you and I both get disparaged as, as something like the idiots who made Brexit happen or something. Have you, yeah. you heard about this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the that's the book about written by an Oxford contemporary of ours. Um, and it's all right. about well, how... Well, we didn't know him, did we? Which, which, which I think speaks <laughs> volumes. Some sort of northern chemist or something. I mean, what, where was he? Uh, it was... What was it? it was, what's the book called again? It's called Chums. How a Tory yes. cast, how a how a tiny cast of Oxford Tories took over the yeah, UK. Right. Yeah, so yeah, essentially, right. <laughs> <laughs> if only James, <laughs> if only, if only we were in charge. Well, he, I, I, he, suppose, he, I suppose he, they're he, talking about he, our he's, contemporaries. He, like he, li- he literally thinks you were the chief medical officer during the pandemic because yeah. you're, you're part of a tiny cast of poshos who took over the uk uh, yeah i i i actually read it because i uh, i i read about it in my spectator column it's actually quite entertaining but he gets everything hopelessly wrong it's by a chap called simon cooper i didn't know him at oxford either but perhaps he was there a little later than us to be fair. i think maybe did we perhaps rag him one day did he perhaps wander <laughs> into one of our college and we, we we pulled down his bags and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he was he was hoping that he'd maybe be we a... dunked him in mercury or something. <laughs> we, we bundled him in the back of a car and left him on the Oxford bypass at three. Exactly. A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the, what the young whippersnapper deserved. Anyway, yeah. on to the more serious stuff, James. What, what did you what, did you want to discuss this uh, Big Brother Watch report on? Well, the... yeah. So apparently, I, I gather that you're, you're we're recording this early because you're going to the launch of this thing. Yes. In the Commons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So there's a launch or, in, the house. in Portcullis House. No, it, well, I think it's actually in one of the committee rooms in the Commons. Well, not that it matters. Yeah. Okay. Not that so, it matters. It, yeah, it's, it's a report that Big Brother Watch produced called Ministry of Truth. And the launch is this evening at 6pm. So yeah, I'm hoping to head off to that, which is why we're recording this a little earlier than usual. Um, yes. I mean, I'm not sure that because you, you wrote a piece about it at um, The Daily Skeptic. And you, there was a good line in it, um, where, which said, "Could James Dellingpole be right, or something like that?" Was yeah, it, was that? Oh yeah. So, so, um, someone said to me when they first read the report, they emailed me and said, "Oh my God, James will have a field day," um, and I think they meant in the context of Team James v Team Toby. Um, yeah. But the thing is, you should never underestimate how far down the rabbit hole Team James is, which is much, much further. You know, beyond your wildest expectations and i'm afraid to say i don't trust this report i think it's i think it's what i would call limited hangout right but let, should we just Where, tell our listeners what's yes in the i report? think i think you should tell us tell us what, what the report okay said. so uh, the report which is based in part anyway on some subject access requests submitted by me julia hartley brewer peter hitchens david davis and others um the report is about um how Lockdown sceptics and vaccine sceptics um, have been monitored um, by various shadowy organisations such as the uh, Counter Disinformation Unit, which is a shadowy unit within the within DCMS, uh, one of the 
Whitehall departments and um, and also uh, perhaps most alarmingly the 77th Brigade which is a brigade of the British Army um, and I guess what's alarming about this discovery which is there there, there isn't any evidence that they were monitoring our emails our whatsapp messages our conversations just our social media activity uh, and then they were reporting back to the cabinet office and the cabinet office were we don't know exactly how the cabinet office and you know um, officials and politicians within the Department of Health, DCMS, were using this information that they were paying the British Army and others to um, uh, gather. But there's a possibility that they may have then got in contact with social media companies and asked them to shadow ban us. Peter Hitchin suspects that's what happened in his case. Um, uh, it may be that one of the reasons PayPal shut down my account, the account of the Free Speech Union and the Daily Skeptic, last September is because they were urged to do so um, by officials within the government. Um, So um, we don't know the full extent of the scandal, but what they've uncovered is scandalous enough because, you know, it suggests that these organisations, these agencies, which should be politically neutral, have at the bidding of the government um, essentially spied on critics of government policy. Um, And, you know, these agencies are supposed to be protecting the realm from you know enemies of the state um and until now i hadn't thought of myself as an enemy of the state but seemingly matt hancock and and others dominic cummings who knows managed to convince the 77th brigade and the candidates information unit that people like me and christopher hitchens julia hartley brewer and carl hennigan should be treated as if we are enemies of the state because we're critics of the government's balmy lockdown and vaccine policies so that so it is it's quite it hasn't got quite as much coverage as i would have liked it got some coverage in the mail um, and there was some follow-up in the Times and the Telegraph, but it hasn't been, you know, hasn't been headline news, which is a shame. Um, but uh, nevertheless, p- good work from Big Brother Watch, and um, let's hope we can um, get some of these agencies shut down, or at least rein them in a bit. Yeah, well, you think uh, Team James's take is that it, it's at best weak tea for for, for really some, some some of the reasons that that, that you've given that that. If, if the best it, it can say about 77th Brigade is if, if the most damning thing it can say about them is that it collected tweets from British citizens posting about COVID-19 and then passed these tweets on to central government. Um, it, it's, it's not. If, imagine, imagine if you were a, a member of the public, um, a, a, a normie, say, being exposed to this. The, the existence of this unit for the first time, even though, I mean, it's been known about, it's been written about before. I mean, it's, it's not as though Tobias Elwood has not tweeted out about how proud he is to be lieutenant colonel of this um, of this organisation. Um, but suppose you, 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 you were reading this thing and you said, well, now, what's this, what's this army unit been unto, uh, up to? How has it been spying on the British citizenry? And, and then you find that, that it's, it's been looking at people's tweets and then passing them on to central government. And you're thinking, well, that's not a big deal. I, I, I suddenly I don't feel threatened by 77th Brigade after all. They're not, they're not this nefarious, sinister unit that, that, that crazed conspiracy theorists uh, claim they are. Now, this is, this is a classic example of what I would call limited, limited hangout, which is where um, information that is already about, about to come out anyway is, is, is leaked out and contained um, it, it's leaked out in a form which which makes it seem more innocuous than it actually is, and and covers up the the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that that units like Seventy Seventh Brigade had been engaged in much dodgier disinformation campaigns than merely collecting tweets. I mean, they've been um, you you get sort of bot groups trying to shift the dial on on um on on debate on on lots of social media media platforms so you get people pretending to be ordinary members of the public when they're in fact uh sort of grubby 77th brigade operatives in their in their basement sort of conducting disinformation tweets they they're, they're pretending that the public de- debate is in a different place than where it actually is this is this is this is much much dodgier than than the kind of stuff that's being reported on here so i don't trust this report at all i think that that they are downplaying the extent of of government involvement in um, you know, spying on us and, and manipulating public opinion. I think it's much, much dodgier than this report suggests. Well, um, 
I don't think it wouldn't be right to say that um, the information has been leaked deliberately in order to kind of conceal the full extent of the egregious behaviour of 77th Brigade and others. I mean, the information has come out because people like me and David Davis submitted subject access requests. Now, it may be that they're holding something back, uh, that the people well, responding, are, yeah. responding yeah. to those subject access requests and we're only getting part of the picture. That's perfectly plausible. But um, if it wasn't for the, you know, the investigative investigative work of, of Big Brother Watch, you know, we wouldn't know even this limited amount about what's been going on. Hasn't well, been strategically... I mean, Laura Dodsworth... But, but, but was writing but, about this the two years ago, three years ago. She wrote a book about it, a Sunday Times bestseller. So, so it's 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 not as though th- these units haven't been written about before. There and and she's described what they do. So, I'm, I'm, tell me what what this what this well, report is revealing that wasn't known three years ago when Laura wrote her book about about these kind of units. Well, it wasn't it wasn't three years ago. I think it was what was it twenty one two years but ago. Her book was mainly about the nudge unit, wasn't it? Rather than the I mean it we've known about all the other unit we, all these other organizations as well. We've known about the I think the time. well what what this I think what this report adds is we didn't know we didn't have concrete evidence that they were monitoring the social media activity of specific individuals and the individuals but, that they were monitoring weren't named in, in Laura's book. But James, I think I think um I think it, it is quite alarming even if you know, the, even if even if this is the whole picture so far, um, uh, and the reason I say that is because you know, even if you know the seventy seventh brigade, even if all it's been doing has been monitoring the social media accounts of people like me, the fact that a unit of the British Army can be persuaded that this is a legitimate function, that it should be engaged in monitoring the activities of critics of government policy, even in this limited, seemingly anodyne way, that's a that's a really dangerous precedent. That suggests that an even less scrupulous government under Keir Starmer, for instance, um, the 77th Brigade, perhaps even the intelligence services, um, could be persuaded to monitor in a much more sinister, intrusive way um, the activity of people like me. Once you've been designated, you know, an enemy of the state, a legitimate target of a security agency like the 77th Brigade, um, then, you know, you're fair game to much, much less scrupulous politicians. So that, that, oh, that's, why I think, that's why I think it's alarming, even if... Um, you know, um, uh, the, this is the extent of the nefarious activities these various shadowy agencies have been getting up to. It's still alarming. I don't think we should. We, I don't think we can conclude that because the revelations aren't more sensational that we shouldn't be too alarmed. I mean, if it is a PR exercise designed to lull us into a full sense of security, it fails because the the the, the, the critical point is that the government, you know, during the pandemic, during the so-called public emergency that was the pandemic persuaded these supposedly neutral arms of the state these civil servants who are supposed to be servants of the crown to spy on critics of the government and if they can do that in those circumstances it can be done on a much bigger scale under different circumstances and that's the really alarming thing well, well, yeah. I mean, certainly. Look, I mean, I, I, I stand by my point. I do think it's a limited hangout. But nevertheless, I mean, if, if you look, I'm not suggesting that 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 it will be totally unbeneficial. In as much as, yeah, sure, it's good that people wake up to the extent that our own government is spying on on law-abiding people, is is completely trying to to manipulate public opinion using the army, which we pay for with our taxes, against us. I mean, certainly if if, if you're you and me, it's using it against us, which I think is despicable. But I don't know why you're surprised that the army should be obeying only obeying orders i mean it's what the army does i mean you say they have to be coaxed they don't have to be coaxed at all they're just grunts i mean the 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 the, the, the kids who join 77th i mean god they must be really talentless to end up in 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 a kind of basement propaganda unit sort of putting out sort of edgy trolling tweets and stuff well it's it's often it's it's mainly made up of reservists isn't it um, I, I imagine oh. kind of Captain Mannering and Private Godfrey figures kind of trying to work out how to take a picture of a of a, of a computer screen using their iPhone sixes and then sending those pictures grade, on. To, certainly, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 oh. it, it's not like I mean, you know, it's uh, it's not like a kind of you know one of these kind of 
all-seeing rooms in a kind of Marvel movie in which they're kind of monitoring the activity of everyone in the universe simultaneously. I imagine it's a couple of old buffers trying to follow me on Twitter and kind of take pictures of the screen. Uh, admittedly, you know, uh, but I don't think I don't think the I don't think the risk that it um, that it it it. it 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 um, suggests should be downplayed for that reason. No, no, not at all. I, I, I but I, I think it does downplay. I mean, look, just take for example Mike Eden. I don't know where, where you stand on 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 Mike Eden. I think Mike was you know the the, the ex Pfizer VP who turned whistleblower yeah. on on vaccine dangers and stuff. I mean, he's, he's been very very brave, and 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 very very outspoken talking about vaccine damages. He's woken up to 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 just how horrific these things are. Um, he was. He was destroyed on social media by, by I would suspect probably operatives from seventy seventh. I mean, you 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 can spot their their muddy footprint all all over Twitter and, and places like that. They traduced him. They they they, I mean, they they smeared him. If, if they, they pretended, I, I think they, they set up a fake account where they pretended to be him, even though it wasn't him. They accused him of racism or anti semitism or I I forget what. The, it's it's what they what they do is much much dodgier than this this report acknowledges. That's my that's my. Yeah, well, I, I did think, James, that um, I, actually, if you recall, but Neil O'Brien, um, who oh, he's horrible, who who, who is a Conservative MP, um, and has served as a minister at various points. Um, uh, he 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 set up the um, I think it was called COVID FAQs, which was a website designed to discredit critics of the lockdown policy including Shinetra Gupta, Professor Carl Hennigan, me, yeah. Julia Hartley Brewer the same people that we've now discovered are being monitored by the 77 brigades um, and, uh, uh, but at one stage he, he, he produced this Twitter thread um, designed to discredit me and it, and it was sort of it was, it was clearly, and it was as though he himself um, had gone through everything I'd ever written tweeted about um uh the pandemic Rests. and the pandemic response and and had found all the various errors i i i'd made uh, and it was designed to make me look like a com- you know a complete idiot a complete clown um and, and i don't imagine for a second that he actually did that research himself i think he was probably you know handed this dossier that someone yeah. either in the you know, uh, uh, anti-disinformation unit or 77th Brigade had assembled on me in order to discredit me. Uh, uh, much like, as you say, there was the kind of uh, efforts to discredit Mike. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, no, I think I think it I think I think it is it is it is a cause of concern. And um, and I'm going to write about it for the um, spectator this week. Um, uh, but I think that the, 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 I think the, the real risk is that uh, what it portends, it could it could it 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 it, 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 it could mean something much, much worse. It sets a precedent for much more intrusive, egregious behaviour. It is a damn shame, like isn't it, Tobes? When, when most of my life I've thought of, of, you know, of all the institutions which are going to stand up for, for, the, for the justice and truth and decency, it's our good old British army, or the army. Uh, they're full, full, of, full of decent chaps with values and stuff. But then... Then you realise, oh dear! I mean, I mean, the very existence of a, of a unit like Seventy Seventh. I mean, they're absolute scumbags, and we're paying for these people, and they are part of the army. So there's there's no excuse. It, it completely calls into question all one's all one's one's patriotic I would, views. Yeah, about. I would. I wouldn't say complete scumbags i'm sure there are good people in the 77th brigade who oh, are come on. who are They're doing ridiculous. what they believe is in the best interest of the country and one oh, of them what, spying one, on our tweets what, one well, of, you think that's in the best interest of the country well i think they i think i think they 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 weren't set up to um, monitor british citizens they were set up to they protect were. us from bad actors you know yeah um, that's the cover story cyberspace. but i I'm, I'm sure that some people joined in good faith and with the best of intentions um and and indeed i I hope that you know one whistleblower has has helped 
Big Brother Watch produced this report, and I hope other whistleblowers now will come forward, genuine patriots who are shocked I don't trust that whistleblower's what... report. That, that, again, strikes me as classic limited hangout, because the stuff that he, he allegedly reveals is all stuff about how, oh, they were treading on eggshells to, to, because they were worried about, about breaching people's uh, freedom of speech rights, and, and oh, they were very careful to consult about which, ones they did, which tweets they dealt with. And, uh, no, I, I just didn't buy that at all. I'm afraid that was another part of the deception. Yeah, but well, yeah, I mean, look, if, if, it, if it does raise anyone's awareness that we are being spied on by a government um, and they're not to be trusted, well, that's, that, that, I agree, is a good thing. OK. Uh, should we hear from our first sponsor, James? I think we should. So it's from the Live-In Care Company. Whether like me, you brave Reykjavik's volcanic ash, or like James, leap hedges on your 18-hand hunter, what do you do when you're snowed under and notice your fiercely independent elderly mum or dad isn't coping? This would have been a disaster, but now you can whip out your phone and call the family emergency service. That is, the live-in care company on 0118-914-5300. Or you can contact them via their website, the live-in care company, all one word, .co.uk. And the live-in care company does exactly what it says uh, on the tin. Run by a fellow London calling listener, it rocks a 97 percent five-star rating on Trustpilot. The Living Care Company believes your family should be cared for at home by carers who actually care. We don't believe a synthetic and potentially locked down environment of a residential care home can hold a candle to one-to-one care in your own family home. As one amazed Trustpilot reviewer wrote recently, we urgently needed a carer with only 24 hours notice. This company contacted us very promptly and we had a carer for the position within a couple of hours. Absolutely amazing service with a very professional, caring attitude and a very personal touch. This company is by far the best we've used. And you can get in touch via www.theliveincarecompany.co.uk or call them for a no-obligation conversation on 0118-914-5300. They'd love to help. And here is a real testimonial that was included as a comment on the London Calling page on the Ricochet website. We just wanted to let you know that we just employed the Live-In Care Company to provide a carer for my in-laws in Edinburgh. I heard their advert on your podcast a few weeks ago. Had never heard of them before, but they were exactly what we needed. Might be worth them advertising with you again. I imagine your audience is exactly the right demographic. That's the liveincarecompany.co.uk. So, James, um, anything else catch your eye this week? Were you shocked to discover that uh, Nadim Zahawi um, uh, hasn't had to step down as chairman of the Conservative Party, having made a careless but not deliberate error when it came to <laughs> filing his tax return? Uh, it's, I, mean, I, I don't know where to start on this one. Uh, I, wasn't wasn't the guy quite senior in the government at one stage? Something to do with with the economy or something? He, well, he was yeah, he was at one stage the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, that's quite that's quite a that's quite an important post in the in the in the to do with public finance. I seem to seem to recall. It, it is quite and, an important. And the guy post, is, yeah. I mean, he's one of the richest MPs. I think we know we, we now know why yeah. he's one of the richest MPs because well, <laughs> he keeps his tax well, uh, liability. It was, to deli- it was careless. careless, but not deliberate, James. Um, yeah, but he, he he set up YouGov um, uh, and then I think sold he sold his shares in YouGov and made out quite well then. But I, I imagine he's involved in other businesses YouGov as well. YouGov is dodgy AF. <laughs> I mean, it's I I don't know why I, I don't know why anyone takes its polls seriously. It's it, everything about that that man is it just stinks to high heaven. I I don't know. The, the the problem is that the competition for the most corrupt and disgusting member of, of government, the, 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 there is so much competition that, that that you look at this man and you think, well, he's just just one of one of many, isn't he? He's just. Do you, like, th- do you think it's the last days of Sodom and? Uh, Keir Starmer's path to Downing Street is now been oh, but they're, inevitable. When the, no, that's another that's another kind of fake news story, isn't it? That Tory Slee is it's 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 the entirety 
of the House of Commons sleaze. The, the entire system is 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 sleaze. It's, it's not like like there, there's there's one party which represents integrity and the other ones <laughs> have become corrupt over the years. That, that's just another nonsense. They're all they're all at it. They're all they're all really really low grade people. Yeah, the, the, they're the, all on the make on the take. The, the disappointing thing is that the, the the rule of thumb, you know, amongst Fleet Street journalists was that um, when it comes to political scandals. It's Labour politicians who get caught with their hand in the till and Conservative politicians who get caught with their pants down. Um, uh, but so I was a bit disappointed that this is this is a hand in till scandal rather than a pants down scandal. I much prefer the pants down scandals. They're much more entertaining to read about. This one I can barely muster enough interest to get past paragraph two. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they'll soon be, you know, soon be some pants down scandals um uh, as 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 the dying days of this administration I mean, kind there's, of totter there's to one an level end. i i i don't blame um zahawi uh, um for what what he did and, and and that is i think one has a moral duty to pay the government as little legitimately as one possibly can because given what they spend it on you, you don't want to you don't want to encourage them uh, I, 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 I had to try and get through to the um, to the tax office this morning on the phone um, because I'm going to be late with my payment because I haven't got you know I've been having difficulty raising raising the the, the, the money because um, <laughs> and and um, I, I rang um, and waited to get through to a real person and you go through the system and you give them your tax number and on every occasion they, 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 you get a message saying and you you could be in the in a queue for a very very long time and then you get more messages and then it just hangs up on you and it hangs up on you every time so so they pretend that they're going to eventually put you through to somebody who can help you out and then they just they just hang up the the, the machine hangs up it's really annoying it is really annoying. Yeah. No, I had that similar experience this morning. Um, my, I ordered um, 10 um, packets of Nespresso pods, uh, 100 Nespresso pods in total. And the box arrived with only nine packets in it. I was missing 10 pods. And I it, it tried to call customer service and got the number you have dialed has not been recognized. And then I tried to get through on the kind of um, AI chat bot and that just didn't work. It's bloody frustrating. Nothing works in this country anymore, James. But, no, but nothing, nothing. I mean, this is this is where we're headed. You, you presumably haven't listened to my Ed Dowd podcast. He's, he's the, the ex-BlackRock fund manager to right. sort of whistleblower on the, on the global economy. And he says, we've just got to get used to a future in which we have to make do with much much less the all all the things that we've grown we've taken for granted over the years like customer service and and delivery on time or delivery at all we're gonna have to accept is, is probably not going to happen anymore because of a all the people being being taken out of the workforce because of vaccine injuries or vaccine deaths and and b because the the orchestrated shutdown of the global economy. It's going to be. It's going to be not fun. Um, I, 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 I wanted to talk to you, James, about um, the Dellingpod Live. Um, uh, oh yeah, coming up at uh, the Emmanuel Centre. But um, before we do that, can uh, can we can we have another read Advert. at your turn yes. this time? I think. Yeah, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I like to do research on my responses, and I can only recommend brands to my listeners that I really believe in. I can say with absolute confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers. But ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even developed a technology, trusted server, that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Number two, speed. That's really important. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried many VPNs in the past and they can sometimes slow my connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. 
the last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills to get set up. Just fire up the app and tap one button to connect. That's it. Even your grandparents could do it. Even I can do it. And it's not just me saying this. Business Insider, The Verge and many other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. ExpressVPN. Very good. Um, so, um, uh, I, I, I gather that you are you are um, you are you are you are organising a live recording of the Denning Pod in which you are going yeah. to be interviewing um, Neil, the great Neil Oliver, on stage. Yeah. I interviewed him the other day for um, uh, the Free Speech Union, and he's oh, he's how was he? Very good value, fantastic, really good. Good. Um, I'm glad about get... that because I, I haven't I haven't gone and booked <laughs> booked myself a complete duffer. Right. I, mean, I, th- no, I no. thought he was going to be good. No, he, he's he'll be. I love him on TV. He's fantastic. Um, but um, uh, I gather you you you've you've practically sold out a nine hundred seat venue, James. Tell me more about it. <laughs> well, it's weird, Tobes. I I I have a. Yeah, I mean, probably the, the number of Dellingpole fans, Dellingpod fans, is is limited, but they are very, very, very loyal. And any opportunity to come up and, and because the, it, apart from anything else, it's it's a, a gathering of the clans. So they come up not just to see me, but to hang out with with fellow fellow, you know, Delling Pole. Is there is there a name? <laughs> like, are, 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 are they like you know you know how the the, fa- the 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 fans of like hardcore fans of Rush Limbaugh were known as Ditto Heads because they just said Ditto to everything he said. Is there an equivalent of Ditto Heads for? Do you have a name for hardcore? Delling poll followers. Well, yes, yes, I, I, I have, I have, on occasion, called them my sharklings, um, and <laughs> Delling pod people. <laughs> Delling pod people. Yes, that's it. And I could do an impression of of um, Donald Sutherland at the end of um, <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Of yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, well, I, I was because I've been the re, I've, I'm very impressed that you've you've um, uh, managed to kind of um, sell out a 900 seater venue. And I've been thinking about trying to do a live recording of the Weekly Skeptic, my other podcast I do with Nick Dixon, which is the kind of weekly podcast of the Daily Skeptic. And um, and we think we're going to start a bit smaller than that. We're going to try start with I think a 250 seater and see how we get on, um, because I think that even though we've probably got you know. A potentially bigger audience because we're a bit more mainstream than you i think that that it's a less committed audience a less devoted audience so they'd probably be less, less i mean i, I think you, you're you as you say the reason you're able to sell out this 900 seater venue is because the people that love you really love you and they're willing no. to travel and uh and you know and and pay what like more than 20 pounds for a ticket i mean it's incredible james it really is a great testimony to your entrepreneurial skills i must say what they say is perdition catch my soul but i do love thee it's the most common thing people say to me um, and, and do, do, do you kind of um do you, do you organize anything afterwards so do they kind of uh do you sort of uh, go to the pub or is there a kind of bar in yeah, the venue so, where you hang so out there was a there was a, a previous thing which we did at the um that comedy club in in yes. green yeah yeah uh which was great because we had we had an after show party there with danny rampling dj yes but when you've got that many people coming, it's quite it's quite difficult to organ. I mean, that's the downside of a big event that 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 you can't be there for everyone, even though you you like to be and you love them all and stuff. But I mean, how how would you do that with with nine hundred people? It's just like you, and, you, and you can't. Have you sold out, or do you want to give it a plug yeah, yeah. just in case any listeners? Yeah, no, 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 no. no we sold out. So the, the next thing I'm going to do is is, is promote the live stream because it's going to be um, so people can can right. By you know whatever the live stream and do you do do you do like sorry to pick your brains about this because I definitely want to do something similar um, but do, do you do a and a afterwards as well so like uh, will will um, Neil Oliver remain on stage and after you've kind of interviewed him and recorded the podcast uh, you then do a and a with the audience um, I think so I got <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I tend to fly by the seat in my pants I think people do quite like it the problem with Q&A's of course is that sometimes uh, people uh, ask what is purported purports to be a question but is actually a long 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 statement in which they 
they want to just rehearse their favorite hobby horses and that gets a bit boring for everybody else um but if i gave you if i had to give you one piece of advice it would be yeah do a do a kind of smaller scale dry run so that you can sort out all the teething problems that inevitably emerge. Right. Um, I mean, I can I, I can put you in touch with 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 the guy who's been Ben, my organizer, who's who's really getting quite good at this stuff. Um, but we almost needed last year's event to to teach us the lessons that we need to learn to make this one a success. One of them is don't try and do it at the last minute. Give it give give it. I mean, we started advertising tickets before Christmas, I think. Right, or, right. And when so is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it, is it in, next is month? It, it's next month. Okay. All right. Well, look. Good luck yeah. with that. That sounds um, uh, very enterprising of you. Um, and I'm definitely going to try and do it on a smaller scale, uh, with at least to begin with. Um, it, it, well, with we, the you know, there's still there's still the possibility, Tobes, that we might do um, a London calling. That's true. We sh- we shouldn't rule that out. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't. I think we, 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 we shouldn't. I, I don't know how it would work. I, 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 we'd have to be make damn sure mummy and daddy didn't fight, um, and obviously we'd have to have amusing gimmicks like Team Joan, James badges or, or or giant hands or something, and Team Toby. I don't know uh, what what would cucks have. <laughs> you know, we'd have we'd have we'd encourage rivalry. Maybe a, maybe a naked mud wrestler. We could definitely. I think we should, we could definitely have a t-shirt stall. You know one manned by you know a team james devotee and another by a team toby devotee selling team toby and team james t-shirts and mugs and pens um, I, according to which side oh i think the merchandising it. is sorted we, that, that 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 does itself it's the actual bloody content of the, uh, yeah. <laughs> of, the yeah. of the event which is the problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> So James, um, yeah. um, we, let's. I wanted to briefly um, uh, moan about the teachers' strike, um, which is it, it, I've got three children still at school. Um, so even yeah. though actually I don't think any of them will be sent home, um, the school that they're at, which is the one I co-founded, the West London Free School, will nevertheless be disrupted. I think they're sending da- they're sending home kids in year seven, eight, and nine. My youngest is in year ten, but nevertheless, it's pretty disruptive, and it's it's. Uh, uh, I, I think I think it's. T- awful um i really don't think uh, I, I at least not in these circumstances that teachers should be striking um particularly when you think about the impact of school closures uh, on the you know um, most disadvantaged children who are now struggling to catch up so missing more days of school um is certainly not going to help them and there was a good piece in the mail today actually about how uh, mary bowstead and um kevin courtney the joint heads of the national education union which is the largest teachers union and uh, which has really been the driving force behind the strikes um they each earn um uh around i think 240,000 pounds a piece if you factor in benefits i mean it is absolutely extraordinary that's more than i earn it's more than it's more than the prime minister earns um <laughs> and uh, uh but um and i i was looking at um i was looking at uh, uh how much employers contributions to the um teachers pension scheme has increased by and james you won't believe this i mean you and i have to you know fund our own pensions uh, which is we why, why, why we don't really have any or at least very small pensions and they're going to be living a fairly hand-to-mouth existence when we eventually retire which i don't suppose i ever will but um okay teachers um uh, as part of their pension scheme until um the end of 2019 um schools were obliged to pay um 16 and a half percent of their monthly paychecks into their pensions and that went up i think on the um uh you know the first of september 2019 to something like 23 and a half percent and it's due to go up again um uh next year i mean it is absolutely extraordinary that's extraordinary no that is that that really is extraordinary i mean it's not like they get paid that much in the first place to have to live on that with what a quarter of their salary they get the they get they get no that they don't have to pay that the schools have to top up the oh, schools, the schools have, to, have so they get, to pay well, sorry all, i'm with they, you I'm, they do I'm get with you. they do get paid reasonably well um and they? yeah um and uh i mean head teachers are often on six-figure salaries now but even members of the senior leadership team are on sort of seventy, what? eighty thousand most schools yeah um basic teacher pay i mean entry level is about 25 but it quickly goes up to 50 and you know it's a it's a buyer's market it's a, it's a seller's market because there's a teacher shortage so they can call the shots um uh, and uh no but in addition to you know 
the £50,000 paycheck, the school then has to give them an extra, you know, 12500 a year into their pensions. Um, it is. No, they're extraordinary. The benefits are just off the charts. So, you know, the fact that they're striking well, and making making children's lives miserable, um, particularly in the run-up oh, to yeah, GCSEs they get, as they well get, and A-levels. But anyway, it annoys Wait till me. they get to university as well. I mean, I, I, I would say that at least half of my, my daughter's education at, at a decent university was was ruined by by the, you know the part that wasn't ruined by the 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 covid fake fake pandemic was was ruined by by teachers uh, by tutors bunking off you know giving lectures and stuff giving right. tutorials yeah yeah no it's even worse i know it's some universities um anyway um should we um hear from one more ad i think it's my turn and then let's do culture yes. corner so um do you fa- here we go very relevant do you fancy early retirement or an exit with FU money, perhaps it's closer than you think. But first, a word of warning, because those who obviously possess FU money, from Brentson to Brenkman Fried, all have to support the system's current thing. As an enterprising free thinker, there's little point either in emulating Andrew Tate to create your exit, because you'll come to the attention of all the wrong people. Instead, join my clients, Thor says, and you can, one, decide what the FU money is for. FU equals freedom for you. You may be pleasantly surprised at how modest a sum can purchase large quotas of freedom, an island, a small holding, an ocean-capable craft, perhaps. Two, create your plan to get there as enjoyably, efficiently and quietly as possible. Three, work the plan consistently. Uh, to see Thor's speedy wee boat, high-speed cave run under an island that we own, and to keep in touch, go to thorholt.substack.com. But please don't search for Thor's name on Substack. You won't find him because this is not for normie punters. Instead, you need to enter this address link in your browser, thorholt.substack.com, or connect with Thor via linkedin.com slash in slash thorholt and don't forget to mention you heard about it on this podcast so james what have you been what have you been reading watching listening to this oh, week well, oh tobes we've got <laughs> we've got to talk about the bit that i had to cut out of last week's episode let's talk about so... that yeah yeah no. I, I wasn't sure i didn't want to bring it up i thought you might be a bit sensitive about it no i'm not I, I i think it's hilarious so you'll remember that in last week's episode you said what are you watching james and i and i said well i'm watching the new series of founder and he said, oh, well, how is it? And I said, oh, it's just like, it's, it's jump the shark, right, Tobes? I said, it's, ju- it, it's so similar to the first season. It's that they've started regurgitating whole storylines, like even the scene where they go to the wedding and they pretend to be the, the, the bakers of sweet pastries. So they go undercover. And I said, I, I, I can't believe it. And anyway... I then realised, having recorded the podcast, that what I'd been watching, when I clicked on my Netflix button for, for expecting to see season four, I'd actually been taken back to episode one of season one <laughs> and, and watched the whole episode and thinking, this is really familiar. But because it was, I think it was eight years ago when the, when the first, when Fowler started, but, it, but it, was, it was sufficiently far ago for me not to realise it actually was the, Season one, yeah, well, episode uh, one. I, I I seem to remember James when you when you were complaining about how similar episode one season four was to episode yeah. one season one. I did say, are you sure you haven't just yeah. by mistake watched the first episode of season one, assuming it was the first episode of season four? But you said, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no well, I suppose no. Uh, people people may fondly or unfondly recall. Uh, our, our thrones cast we used to do yeah and i think it used to drive people mad what a pair of stupid old out of touch buffers we were, were that didn't know any of the characters names really had barely grasped the significance of various plot points and we we're just <laughs> clinging on to reality by our fingernails and um yeah anyway what i, what I can say is about season four of Fowder. It is yep. absolutely fantastic. It, okay. Which, which, which I'm so <laughs> glad I, I got producer Brian to scrub out that section because it would have been... I, I would have happily left it in just to so people could laugh at what a, a dick I was. But what I didn't want is a whole week to go by with me having having cast aspersions on Fowder um, in, in, uh, mistakenly when actually the new season is really, really good. 
Okay. I, I can't. And my mother, um, I rang her the other night and I said, you know, how are you, Ma? I hope I'm not interrupting your important TV. And she said, I've just, I've just watched it. I, I'm addicted to Fowder. I use it for my ironing and it makes the, I don't even notice I'm ironing anymore. It's so, it's so wonderful. Okay, good stuff. Um, yeah, not as repetitive as you thought. Um, so no. yeah, um, uh, I've, 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 um, I've. So I've, uh, I, I've, I watched. I managed to watch another episode of The Gangs of London uh, with my son Freddie. So um, it's one of those situations in which you know you start watching something with one of your children, and it becomes your thing. So you then can't watch an episode without them, and so then finding a time that you're both available to watch the next episode. It's like you reading one of these Russian novels, James. It's taking us an age to get through Gangs of London, but we finally watched, I think, episode six, see no, episode eight, season one, um, uh, on Saturday night. It's pretty good. Um, uh, it wasn't as good as episode seven, but still pretty good. And we've got two more to go, and then a whole nother season. So that's something to look forward to. And I've also been watching peacemaker also with my children um which is a dc spin-off show starring john cena created by james gunn who wrote and directed um guardians of the galaxy and it's pretty good i mean it's it's a little bit too glib and it isn't it doesn't it's not in it's like a kind of it's a it's a sort of superhero pastiche a bit like the boys but not informed by the kind of bitter angry marxist agenda the anti-capitalist anti-corporate anti-neoliberal agenda of the boys so it's sort of like the boys but without the kind of politics um but still quite fun quite entertaining um uh, and certainly ultra violent i know you don't like that kind of thing but i, I well do i quite. saw the zombie thing tobes that you recommended the last of us Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. What did you think of that? I've seen. I've now well, seen episodes one and two. I don't think there's more than that at yes, the moment. Uh, part of the problem I had was I watched it with the wife, who can't deal with zombie things. So, so right. instead of being able to sit back and enjoy the the zombies swarming and killing people, they don't call them zombies after they they're, they're just people who've been possessed by by fungi, uh, fungus yeah yeah that's right yeah it's, <laughs> um, a, it's a twist but, on the zombie theme yeah they are basically zombies um so my my enjoyment of all this was kind of ruined by wife sort of you know sort of huffing and just just you know how you can sense when your wife is disproving or something you, don't, you know just makes these sort of she's just a sort of a, a presence a brooding presence and it, it kind of rains on your parade when you're yeah. trying to watch um so so there was that um, and it did strike me. You, you mentioned that it was based on a very successful video game, and it yeah. does feel a bit like a video it game. It does a bit, yeah. I thought that was particularly true. I mean, when they were doing the kind of you know story building in episode one, I didn't think it did seem you know too much like a video game. But in episode two, there was very there was a kind of discrete section when they have to go through the abandoned museum in order to get to the other side and embark on a pathway and it, it then i thought it really did feel like you know a video game at that point and and they had to kill the mushroom-headed zombies yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all that uh, all that and the characters just just they're, they're not they're not real characters are they they're just sort of selection they're not quite npcs but they are just a, this collection of of attributes they, they do feel like characters in a video game rather than characters in a in a, in a written through yeah. TV drama, yeah, or, or movie. Yeah. A little bit two dimensional, a little bit too much like. But the critics are loving it. You know, it's, it's getting five stars, right, left, and centre. I know. I'm quite surprised by that. Um, and the guys who created it also created Chernobyl. I thought Chernobyl was better. I thought that you know, um, a drama based on real events. Um, they were slightly better at than a drama based on a video game though they they did of course wildly exaggerate um the um uh impact of the chernobyl disaster um, i'm glad you said that tobes that's that's one of the one of the one of the the, the rare points where tobes and, and, and james are in absolute agreement i think i think they, they sold us a complete propaganda on on, on chernobyl, yeah it was kind of anti-nuclear propaganda wasn't it designed it was. to scare the bejesus out of anyone who was thinking of nuclear as a kind of decent alternative to you know um uh, fossil fuels uh, yes. low carbon alternative yeah it did it, it, it was it was um i don't think <laughs> you probably think you know at the behest of you know the 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 green lobby um or the yes or the, or, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway yeah they, they did they did they did certainly they, they made it seem as though radiation sickness 
this was something you could, you know, transmit like a virus to somebody else. If you just stood near someone with radiation sickness, you could catch it, which is complete balls. Anyway, um, it was nonetheless yeah, yeah. quite well done. Um, so um, I think I've got one more thing I was going to tell you about. Oh, yeah, I watched the first episode of a series called Chloe. So this had been recommended by a listener who said, you know, is try... That the German one? It's the German one, yeah. So it's um, it's quite an interesting concept. So it's um, it's about it's set in East Germany just after the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Um, so Germany is in the process of being unified, and it's about a former Stasi kind of assassin um, who is um, screwed over by her bosses uh, a couple of years before the wall comes down um, and is imprisoned and in prison she loses the baby she's pregnant with not too much of a spoiler it's all in the first episode um, and then she comes out of prison after the wall has fallen and political prisoners are released and she embarks on a kind of revenge killing spree in which she 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 kind of goes after all the people that framed her and were responsible for jailing her for a couple of years her former bosses in the stasi in other words um so it's quite a good concept and it's quite it's done in quite a kind of light-hearted humorous way and it's quite interesting to see you know a german netflix series as opposed to an american one or even a south korean one um uh, but it, 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 it was nonetheless a little bit disappointing i thought the the humor's a little bit too broad a little bit too german in places and um she's a slight oddball not a particularly appealing or sympathetic character and you know you get the impression that the production values aren't particularly high limited budget um so you know the sets and the special effects are kind of not great uh, but it's okay I-, I watched episode one last night i might watch episode two you haven't decided yet right yeah you haven't sold it to me i think i'm not gonna it, it sounds worryingly like that horrible horrible bbc nasty gore lesbian gore fest killing eve yeah it is really, i think a bit like really it is it is a stuff. bit a bit like killing Sick. eve yeah um yeah. i never really i never really got it i tried to watch one episode but never really got on with it um anyway so no. I, what about reading I, we all know that you're still struggling struggling manfully through oblomov um i'm now on to my i think 14th sharp novel um uh which is um uh sharp's siege um uh set on the eve of the battle of waterloo is that Badahoth or Theodad Rodrigo? It's, it's. I think it's. I think it's a. No, it's beyond that. Um, so he's now. It's now um, eighteen fourteen, uh, on the eve of the Battle of Waterloo, and it's kind of like winter eighteen fourteen, and he's just captured a castle behind enemy lines in lines in France, uh, just outside Bordeaux, and I, I think he gets besieged in the castle, or maybe he, I don't quite know what the reference to siege is yet because I haven't got that far, but anyway, I'm enjoying it, and um, uh, you know, I finished my, I finished the first of the Flashman books, which I also enjoyed, uh, and I've also, I bought, downloaded the numbers two and three now in the Flashman series, and, um, but I'm, I'm building up to um, the Waterloo Sharp book, which I think is going to be a thriller, so I'm looking forward to that, but um yeah, no, but I'm going to mix it up before I get there. I've got another trollop to read and a few other things. Um, but I think I'm I'll nearly get, I at think the I'll... end of, of where we live now. Oh, what are you? A, okay. What a what a! Fa- I, I'm so glad you tipped me off to that. Okay, um, good. I think um, Samuel West, not Samuel West, is this Samuel West? Timothy West. Timothy His West. Dad. Yeah. He reads it so brilliantly. Although I tell you what, one one tiny quibula quibble. Um, he seems to get everything right, except he pronounces the word. How do you? Well, not that you're you're a, <laughs> a good guide necessarily. But how do you pronounce the word grandeur? Um, I think I'd probably pronounce it as you just did, grandeur. Yeah. Yeah. So he pronounces it grandeur. Okay. Now, obviously, he's a lovey, um, and a lovey of a generation, so he ought to know how to pronounce words, but. I don't know. I mean, I think I'd be interested to hear from sort of pucker London callers. That, that, yeah, I've got an, I've got a query for you, James. I, you are, I think, more of an authority on pronunciation than me, so I'm I'm, I'm going to trust your answer on this. Um, in the Taylor Anderson book, um, I I just finished Hell's March. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there, there's uh, there are some there are some uh, Spanish speaking characters, and they refer to a unit of distance as a according to the narrator anyway this is how he pronounces it legues and i keep thinking 
shouldn't that be leagues as in that city is 10 leagues away not that city is 10 yes. leguas away but is, is the is the spanish pronunciation of leagues leguas and maybe he's I, doing I, I, it I as a concession spanish, so I, I don't know i mean yeah. i do know that that um it's half a league half a league half a league league onwards yeah. into the valley of death road yes whatever um so the english pronunciation is is definitely league uh, yeah. By the way, the word the the, the distance in in Russian novels is, is a verst, v e r s t. Okay. I don't I don't know how far a verst is, whether it's a mile or longer than a mile or shorter than a mile. But that's 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 by the by. No, so I I, I would say that the word is pronounced league in English, but I can't I can't vouch for this Spanish okay. pronunciation. Okay. All right, James, we should probably leave it there. I've got one. Oh, what more. about what, what about the oh. um the advert? I've got to do. Uh, have you got? Oh, sorry, you, sorry. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I was going to say we've got one more ad, so we've got to, we've got to make time for our last ad, which contains a very tempting offer for our listeners. It, so yeah, take it away, James. It does. Crikey, what incredible concoction is this? Well, if you haven't already signed up to our favourite independent spirits bottler, Heroes and Heretics, and become actively involved in their fantastic spirits club, the Collective, then you're in for a treat. Do the words. Hard seltzer. Conjure up anything in your mind. Hard seltzers are a US phenomenon taking over the world. They are usually a base spirit, such as vodka, mixed in a canned drink with mineral water and natural flavourings and are under 99 calories per can. Heroes and Heretics would like to present its very own hard seltzer, the Whiskey Roller, a refreshing, moorish, exciting addition to this up-and-coming booze category. With flavours of nutmeg and hibiscus, and with a hint of American whiskey, our fabulous hard seltzer has scored over 90% in blind tastings and will no doubt delight your taste buds. Anyone signing up to the Heroes and Heretics Collective will receive 15% off and free delivery on all bottled products, but anyone signing up to the Collective, purchasing the Whiskey Roller, will receive 50% more cans, completely free of charge. So, do not delay. Our journey forward starts with you. We really appreciate your support and input, so please sign up to the Collective today www.hahcws.com well read james okay good so well, enjoy that that that's um your limited hangout yeah. at the house of commons <laughs> and will. um yeah and give yeah, it we'll give it the hard sell in the spectator we'll do all right mate okay. cheers right bye, bye. This is London Ricochet. Join the conversation.